Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I am your host, Laura Stewart, for It's All About the Questions. Not so much about the answers, because if you don't ask the right question, the answer really doesn't matter. This is the highlight of my week to be with you and talk about how the right questions can change your life. And last week's show has gotten such a big buzz when I had Bob Berg, author of The Go-Giver, on the show, and we talked about the five laws of stratospheric success and how small shifts in your thinking and your questioning can shift your life and your business. We're going to have that replay up on the show website. It's all about the questions shortly, and by next week it will be up on iTunes, and you will be able to listen to the show whenever and wherever you want to. Today, I have another special guest as we continue our conversation around thinking and questions and performance with our special guest, Bobby Kipper. Now, Bobby and I have known each other for a lot of years, and if you haven't been able to tell yet, I love introducing you to people that inspire me and stretch me in my thinking and my questioning. And Bobby is one of those people. He's a best-selling author, speaker, and coach, and he's the co-founder of Performance Driven Thinking. He has spent over 30 years providing leadership development, training, and coaching to both the government and private sectors. Bobby's got a really interesting background. We're going to talk about that as we go on with the show today. But he believes that each of us was born to perform, and his motivational style of speaking and coaching has taken thousands to their best performance to date. In addition, he also founded and is the current director of the National Center for the Prevention of Community Violence, and he is passionate, and I really mean this, passionate about the quality of life and human rights issues for all Americans. His programs to prevent and reduce violence have been featured by the White House, Congress, and 35 states across America. His current book, which has a forward by Joel Kamm, New York Times bestselling author, which hopefully he will come on our show one day as well, called Performance Driven Thinking. A challenging journey that will encourage you to embrace the greatest performance of your life. I love that. I love that whole thought that the way we think and the way we perform changes our life. So hopefully our guest is on the phone right now. Bobby, you out there? I'm out here, Laura. How are you this morning? Good. Are you sitting there uh, talking to me from the beach in the Outer Banks? Uh, not quite. Uh, I wish I, I was. I had to come up to uh, meet another one of our favorite people, uh, David Hancock and I, are the publisher, having lunch today. So that's what's happening after the show. So unfortunately, I'm not on the beach, but uh, you can find me there just about every other day, I hope. I know, I know. It's your best place to hang out there with your best buddy, your uh, puppy there too, right? Absolutely. Rocky and I enjoy the beach, and it's great to have uh, your best friend with you at all times. It's he, uh, he coaches me a little bit, too, with his attitude, so it's all good. Aren't puppies amazing how they do that for us? They get us to really think about what's important. It's a lot of comfort. It really is to, to know no matter how your day goes that uh, their day is always you know pretty much even keel. So it, it, it's all good. Yeah, um, as you know, but I think some of our listeners know, um, my Boston Terrier passed away in January, and I'm just not ready to get a new dog. But my neighbors have all been absolutely fantastic letting me have their dogs and borrow them at will. And uh, our, my friend Beverly has her dog Luna, a beautiful Bichon, hanging out with my mom today so that I could be here and be more relaxed. That's great. 
Yeah, there is nothing better. And also, for those of you listening out here, Bobby just mentioned David Hancock, publisher of Morgan James Publishing. He is also Bobby's co-author and co-founder with the Performance Driven Thinking. So... Shout out to David Hancock if you happen to be listening right now. Uh, David, his publishing house also published my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? So that's great that you can see him. Make sure you give him a hug for me. Um, I'll be glad to do that. Since his nickname is The Huglisher. All right, so Bobby, I got a question for you. Okay. Your book, you called it Performance Driven Thinking. And I've always wondered, why not call it Performance Driven Leadership? What made you pick the other aspect? Well, I, I think part of that, um, and that's a great question, and, you know, it's really interesting that you ask that because a lot of what we're doing now um, out of the book itself is uh, leadership-driven. We actually have one chapter in the book that uh, speaks to leadership. But, you know, I think part of the problem is is that we've always focused for years on you know, that process, everybody wants to, you know, do leadership training, but what about the people that, that do the work every day to get up, you know, day in and day out? And, you know, just, they they need an edge of performance as well. And so I, after working through the process of both uh, the line situation and leadership, I, as I grew um, through my career, I really realized that there needs to be motivation all the way through and not just for those people you know, are, are, you know, making the big bucks and running the company. I mean, everybody needs to be motivated. So uh, while we do talk about leadership, we also believe that it's the people that are actually doing the everyday, um, you know, work on it, whether they're factory workers, whether they're assembly way, it doesn't matter. People just need to be motivated to perform. And a lot of times they're left out. And so the, the, the synopsis of the book is that we all are called, regardless of what level we are in life, to a level of performance. And that performance is not something that a boss can do, that our parents can do. It's something that we have to, in fact, um, embrace ourselves. Now, you said that we're all born to perform. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I've seen this from owning my own business to selling my business to working for other people in corporate and, you know, just the everyday jobs that you've had as a child, you know, working in a grocery store or whatever that not everybody really seems to get that they're born to perform. They just sort of feel people should just give them things or that they can coast through life at a barely their level of performance. What's your response to that? Well, my response is that you're absolutely correct, and that's something that that pulls down all of our performance. I mean, the one thing that we, we haven't discussed, most people who are performers or at least want to get up and, and make it happen. We haven't discussed with those people who just feel like that the, the world owes them a living, um, you know, simply because they breathe. And, and that's been a problem in our society, but there's just been, I guess, that people have searched for an orchestrated way to really speak out about that. In the, sap- the second chapter of our book, Performance Driven Thinking, we talk about a sense of entitlement and what it's like to get up and believe everybody owes you a trophy just because you're, you're, you're showing up. Um, we we absolutely and believe and we teach and we we talk about this as we travel the country. You know, um, performance is, is is more than just you know it basically showing up for work. And and I think it was one of the um, famous comedians, Woody Allen, or someone said, you know, eighty percent of the 
of, of achieving or showing up. Well, I, I don't agree with that statement. I think that, you know, um, basically participation is is not performance. There's a lot of people who participate in, in coming into a situation, but they don't they don't really live up to the expectations that we all need to do our share. And um, that's what the book really talks about. It talks about that, you know, we, we don't agree. You know, if, if you've got to be there, why not embrace the best performance that you can embrace? And that's what we, that's what we sort of teach as we go um, into organizations, um, you know, from, from the line person all the way to the top manager. So what makes you the perfect person to talk about performance-driven thinking? Well, I think there are several things, and you know, I don't know. And I, you know, we're we're, we're great friends. I don't know that "perfect" is the right description. For oh, I, th- I think you I, are, but you know, I'm, well, I'm well, a little, little biased there. You, you know, I have the highest respect for you. Also, I um, I really think that you know, my life has been. Uh, I spent um, some years in the government service. I was actually in local law enforcement, and um. I, you know, I've sort of learned that no matter how hard I work, that everybody's going to get the same percentage in their, their paycheck of an increase. And so, you know, you'd go to work and um, they would assign you cases or you would be, you know, out on, on, you know, out on patrol somewhere. And you realize that certain people were getting all the calls or were handling most of the, uh, most of the things that were happening in the community while other people were sort of hiding or skating or just, you know, collecting a paycheck. And, I didn't really like that system. I, you know, I graduated from that system. I retired from that system in my first career. But something about that really was defining for me to not be very productive. When everybody is treated the same, everybody gets the same thing, no matter how hard or what kind of effort that they give. And it really was brought out to me when my son um, was actually about nine or ten years old. I'm a real sports guy, as you well know. I'm been involved in sports and I've, I've coached um, in, in active sports, um, even at the college prep level for, for years. And one of the things that, that I've always driven young people to look at is, you know, what's your highest goal that we can obtain and how can we get there? Maybe not today, but at some point, making tomorrow better than it was today. And I never forget Andrew, my son, was uh, riding the car with me one day. And, you know, we were. I, I actually made a mistake and coached a little league team, which was probably next to the Bad News Bears. So I was totally frustrated because <laughs> we'd only won like two or three games, and we lost like six or seven. So my son, and this this is in the book. Though, I wrote about this situation. My son looks over at me in the car. He says, "So, Dad, when do we get our trophies?" And I mean, he was just as serious as he could be, as innocent as he could be, but he was serious, and it sort of drove me crazy because the world I came up in, you know, you did have winners and losers. You did have people that really, you know, achievement was your goal, and that's what you did and you, when you played sports. But with him asking that question, I said, Andrew, we, we don't have a winning season, son. We've only won like two or three games. And he said, but, Dad, Dad, everybody gets a trophy. And uh, that stung me because it really stuck in, 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 in me to say, okay, that's the way we're conditioning people in this country, and that is not a true statement. Everyone does not get a trophy. There are some that have and some that have not. And and a lot of times the people that have not obviously have fallen on hard luck. And and, and we certainly should look out, you know, for the poor and the, the disadvantaged in communities. But at the same time, we have to be driven to perform. I mean, we have to give it a shot. And so I believe that um, with my background in working at local state and doing some federal government work and also my coaching background from athletics, 
um, you know, just put me in a position to say, what is this? Why can't people grasp this? And so I, I that's when I decided I want to write this book. And so I'm, I'm real happy that it's out and that we're able to talk about it. You know, that story about coaching, that really hits home because when when I was a little girl, number one, I couldn't play Little League because girls were not allowed to play all those sports and stuff. But the few things that I did, there was definitely that whole aspect of you didn't get a trophy unless you were first, second, or third. Nothing else happened from there. Um, you didn't go out for pizza. You didn't go out for all those things unless your team won. That was the recognition of winning. So when we come back from this next commercial break, Bobby, I want to talk some more about performance-driven thinking and how we can become performance-driven thinkers. We'll be right back. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. Hi, I'm Kim Gibson with REMAX Crown. Would you like to see a sold sign in your front yard? I can do that for you. I can sell your home and most likely fast. Call me, Kim Gibson. Let's talk about selling your home. 473-6869. Again, 473-6869. Kim Gibson is a realtor with REMAX Crown. 473-6869. If you have varicose or spider veins, call Dr. Ramdev. Dr. Ramdev is Harvard-trained and board-certified in vascular surgery and specializes in new, less invasive leg vein treatments. Dr. Ramdev has offices in Indian River and St. Lucie counties. Stop ignoring that pain or swelling in your legs. Book your free consultation today. Call 567-VIVA. That's 567-VIVA. Or visit vivamyveins.com. That's vivamyveins.com. Mr. Manatee's Casual Grill provides the ultimate Florida dining experience. If you're a fan of wings, you cannot pass up Mr. Manatee's as it is continually voted to have some of the best wings by Vero residents. New to Mr. Manatee's are the 32-ounce rum buckets, which are filled with special rum concoctions, only $10. Located on Royal Palm Point, Mr. Manatee's provides the ultimate location for a casual dining experience. There are specials available every night of the week, including $5 burger night on Monday, unlimited fried shrimp on Friday for just $15.99, and kids eat free on Sunday with the purchase of an adult entree. Mr. Manatees has just added delicious corn fritters and lobster bisque to the menu. Both appetizers will really kick your taste buds into overdrive. Located on Royal Palm Point, just down the street from Studio 95, Mr. Manatees provides the ultimate location for a casual dining experience. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We are talking to author, uh, coach, mentor, speaker, and co-founder of Performance Driven Thinking, Bobby Kipper. And before the break, we were talking about the whole idea of does everybody deserve a trophy and that people are really born to perform. So, Bobby, I want to ask you about something that's really been trending in the news, New York Times, uh, Washington Post, about Dan Price, the CEO of Gravity Payments. He took a pay cut from $1 million 
down to $70,000 and has dedicated and, and put out there that he is going to, in order to protect employees' well-being, and he feels that CEO salaries have gotten completely skewed. So he's going down to $70,000 a year and is going to bring every employee that works for him up to a minimum salary of $70,000 a year. What's your thinking on that? I think it's awesome. I mean, I, you know, again, one of the things that we talk about in, in the book, and I talk about a lot, is that, um, you know, we we have been on sort of, um, I guess, automatic pilot when it comes to some of our management principles in this country. And, and part of it is that we, you know, I always teach people in our seminars that we do that, you know, if we can get to the, to the, a couple of issues, number one is that we have to get out of the mindset of management and get back to the mindset of leadership. You manage systems. I mean, you manage, you know, payroll, you manage, um, timesheets, you manage those type of reports, but you, you have to have a leadership principle when it comes to driving people to the next level. I can't think of a better example of a CEO that's driving the train to making everyone reach out and give it their best shot than to really say, look, this is not about me. This is about motivating others to do the best they can in their performance. I think that's a lost commodity in the workplace today. I think when we advance people into mid-management and upper-management positions and they start thinking that it's all about them and not it, you know, when you take the role to basically be responsible for other people's performance, we have to pay attention to that. And I, I really think that I'm really excited about what we what we do in, in our process because we really we love the, the leadership and the mid-management training process because what we say to people is when you took that position, it, it's no longer about just your performance, but it is, but it's also about you motivating others to reach a level that they're not at. And if you're not mentally you know, emotionally and physically sort of prepared to do that, then maybe you're not sort of fit to, to, to call yourself a leader. And I, I think that, that we make a mistake because we just put people in those positions and they become, you know, somewhat a little self-centered about what their wishes are. Here's a CEO that says, you know, this is not about me. This is about really motivating the people that are around me to be better people and to be better performers. Uh, you know, with my thinking, we've known each other a long while. I, I got, I love that. I just love it because it just, it just basically is the the optional leadership um, process. So you don't, because I go both ways on it, right? When I first read it, I'm like, yay, good for him to recognize that the people that are driving the revenue deserve to be compensated for it. And then at the same time, I'm going. Does everybody inside that organization deserve a $70,000 salary? You know, taking it from having owned and run a business, there were, you know, I wanted to compensate everybody fairly for the work they were doing, and I compensated myself, you know, very similar. And if the revenue wasn't there, I paid everybody else before I paid myself because that sometimes happens when you're growing and building a business. But does it set it up so that, Every single person in an organization should be at the same salary. Well, I, I think, you know, again, um, if this is a pattern of, of how he's going to run the business and everybody's going to be paid $70,000 across the board and we're not going to have a, a proper evaluation system, then I would agree with your thinking. 
I, you know, I'm a real proponent of quarterly evaluation systems, and we try to help business and corporations set up quarterly evaluations. I, you know, we call it the four-quarter uh, evaluation and coaching program, which performance is sort of written into the byproduct of, of you know, the the, um, the four-quarter evaluation. I mean, I don't know what it's like to walk out of the, the, the locker room and coach my team in the third quarter, so I don't think it's fair for employees not to be properly evaluated and, and you know, communicated with about their level of performance. I think we need to do more of that. So I agree with you. I'm not a fan of just blanket everybody making the same money, but at the same time, when you have an organization that's sort of, you know, fledgling and you have a guy that says, hey, I need to put some energy into this, um, I think as long as people don't stay at that salary level, regardless of whether they don't show up to work or regardless of whether they're poor performers, I think is a great way to get the initiative started. Um, I would be eager to find out what the report looks like in about a year from now and how employees are performing at that level. That sounds like an interesting follow-up article for all of the newspapers. It really does. <laughs> all right, so um, we have a couple of minutes until we go into the news break, and there's something that you talk about in the book that I really, really find fascinating, and it's the fact that you can have performance-driven thinking both in your personal life and in your business life. That's correct. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer that you just don't perform in, in, on one side of the field. You have to perform on both sides of the field, yes. So how, how does somebody go about beginning the process of switching their thinking to performance-driven thinking versus regular thinking? You know, it's sort of like... I talk about it's all about the questions, right? The right questions can change your life. It's about asking questions that get you the answers you need, not always right. the ones you want. <laughs> so, right. I, I understand what, what, what you're saying. I, I think the first thing, and I know we, we're getting ready for a break, but I think the first thing that we all have to understand, and one of the first things that I say when I'm talking, you know, either in keynote addresses or in, in our, our day seminars, it's the fact that if you don't understand anything that I'm going to say today in this interview or furthermore from the rest of the time that we're speaking together, just understand the following statement. Your performance is not an option. You see, what we, we, have, we have sort of been on this gravy train to think, okay, well, if I feel good, I'll do it. If I don't feel good, I'm going to work and I just won't do anything today. I mean, the bottom line is, is that if, if we are in athletics, our teams perform that way, we're going to get crushed. And so I believe that there's a personal drive thinking that has to be established. You know, when we come back from the break, we can share what the definition of performance and thinking is. But I think it starts with realizing that, you know, your performance is not an option. You, 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 the question of your level of performance is a question. It's a personal question that each of us have to deal with every day. But let's face it, I mean, whether you're going to perform or not, it's not really, that's not the option. The option is that you're either going to perform well, you're going to perform, you know, average, or you're just going to be slack in your performance. So, I mean, it's almost like, okay, if you're going to show up and put the uniform on, if you're going to show up to work, or if you're going to get out of bed in the morning, you know, why not make it count? I mean, think about the advantage of how what happens if you change that attitude to, like, you know, really nobody does owe you anything. It's not about you. It's about what you give and what you put out in your life. And so... I think the book is very clear about that. And so I think that the way I would start that is that, you know, performance is absolutely not an option. And that's the start of understanding how to be a performance-driven thinker. You don't, you don't question performance. You question your level. 
Bo Easton tells a story about Jerry Rice when uh, Bo showed up to um, football camp and they're all throwing balls and people are running. And Jerry Rice, every single time he caught the ball, he ran into the end zone. All the other guys would catch the ball and stop. But Jerry right. Rice just kept running it full out, flat out into the end zone. And he asked him afterwards, why do you do that? He goes, that's my job. That's what I do. So I'm programming Absolutely. myself that every single time I catch that ball, I'm taking it to the end zone. And look at Jerry Rice's go. record. That's a true performance-driven thinker. As Absolutely. well as just a performance-driven person. So if we could do that in every aspect of our life. Everyone, welcome back. We've been having such a great conversation with my guest, Bobby Kipper, today on It's All About the Questions. Don't forget to go to itsallaboutthequestions.com, and you can download free resources to help you ask better questions. You can also join me on social media. I'm all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, and, of course, LinkedIn, one of the best business strategy places you can go to. And if you want to talk with me one-on-one or you need a speaker for your event or you need some coaching for your business, you can also reach out to me um, on itsallaboutthequestions.com. I look forward to talking to you, and I love all the tweets and the conversation we've all been having on social media around this show. So keep it up. I love it. And starting next week, you'll also be able to catch the show on iTunes. Looking forward to joining you all there on It's All About the Questions. So, Bobby, before the break, we were talking about Dan Price, the CEO of Gravity Payments. And you raised something that I think is worth looking into some more. You talked about quarterly performance reviews in businesses. And, you know, it's something when I worked corporate and even when I owned my business, it wasn't something that was done structured enough. Um, I was fortunate that I had some bosses that that did do them, and I thought it was a really invaluable process. Let's elaborate on exactly what you're talking about by performance reviews to help somebody become better performers, and your thoughts on how that can actually be done in your personal life as well. Well, yeah, I think that... Um Again, if we start with your personal life, there there are several areas that we really talk about in personal performance. The first one, you know, foremost that we actually talk about when we do our programs and our seminars is your health. I mean, you know, there's a check and balance system for all of us on how we perform in our health, whether it's, you know, uh, the food we eat, whether it's whether we get an exercise, whether it's our sleep habits. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, as we progress in age, and it doesn't get any easier, it doesn't get any better, but it still demands our performance and our attention. So I think there's a check and balance system and an evaluation on, on all parts of our life as we go through. And I think we can measure our performance even from a personal level. I mean, let's face it, if you're, you know, if you're really looking at your own personal health, are you, are you getting regular checkups? Are you doing the things that you need to do to be healthier by what you're eating. And there's so much information out there. It's almost such uh, information overload about performing in your personal health. Um, but it's all good. I mean, you know, it's, it's the right thing to pay attention to. Nobody's going to really feel a whole lot worse because they get, you know, a little bit more sleep. We're sleep-deprived as a country. So when you look at all the research, we don't do a very good job in our performance when it comes to our personal health. The second area we talk about is, is your finances. Um, and the one thing that ruins a lot of situations and a lot of people is that they just, you know, they just are not, they're just getting by or they're not getting by. And 
that's a that's a performance thing. I mean, we have to look at um, not living by the credit cards and some of the things that you can do in your own personal finance. Um, you know, it's all performance driven. And there's nothing that occurs in life that you're going to convince me that cannot be looked at from a performance perspective. Um, the third thing in your personal life we talk about is relationships. I mean, we don't. You know, some of us, well, we don't even want to go there because I mean, you could talk about the fact that you know the reason that we have so many issues in our relationships and in, in life is is not because people don't want to be around people because we do. You know, obviously we feel that there's a need to have people in our life. But what level of performance? I mean, I'm talking about brothers and sisters. You know, not just husbands and wives or you know, or, or, you know, couples that are, that are together. I'm talking about business relationships. How do we treat people and how do we want them to treat us? I mean, that's a performance issue. Think about it. I joke about this in our seminars, but, you know, you know, the first time that you met the person that you're with, your significant other, you're, you know, you're married or you have someone in your life. I mean, you really poured it on. I mean, you performed, you didn't just show up, you know, um, not prepared to, to be a little bit charming and, and have someone really want to be around to. But at the same time, what happens in year 10? I mean, if, if we don't make it the performance issue, I'll just give you those semantics and just pay attention to that. And then the last thing that we talk about in personal performance is goal setting. And we think that, you know, I try to encourage people. And then when we do our seminars, we have people leave with at least three identified personal and three professional goals. But we go one step further. We ask people to put an action step beside each one of those goals because, you know, the people, they want certain things, but do they have the will to reach out and to, uh, to get those things? So all of it is performance-driven, your personal life, your professional life. As far as the evaluations are concerned, I'm just a real stickler that if you only talk to your employees one time a year in month 11, you know, the 11th month in the 25th day about how they're doing on their job. I mean, that, that's, that's really almost an indictment on a leadership process. You've got to work with people. I mean, why wait till it's time to evaluate them to tell them that they're not meeting standards? Again, you know, all you got to do is look at the world of athletics. If we coach that way in the world of athletics, we, we would definitely have mounting losing seasons because we would never be telling people what they need to do to get better. We tell people what they need to do to get better in the sports world, but why don't we do it in business? I don't understand that. I think part of it is that people feel like, you know, inhibited about, um, you know, holding people accountable. And, and that's part of, of our society that's got to really take a hard look. And um, I have a, a formula that I share in our workshops, and it, it's called the EAC system, and it's based on – you know, each employee and each individual that's in an organization, number one, we, we have expectations of people. We expect our people to do great things, and we are there to coach them so that they can do great things. Number two, um, we have an accountability system. You know, there, there are people that have bad days, and sometimes, you know, you drop the ball. Um, but we want to make sure that's not a consistent issue with people. And then consequences. I mean, I think consequences are very important both positive and, and sometimes negative consequences. So, I, you know, one of the things I think is a cornerstone in business is um, that expectation, accountability, and consequences. And I think that's teaching true leadership, too. So I think all of it is a measurement of, of where we're at as people. And I don't think we can just dismiss the fact that, okay, your personal life does impact your job. 
we have to really realize that it does. And I've worked for bosses who walked by and said, you know, I really don't care what you do in your personal life. I really don't care, you know, what's going on with you personally. Really? Do you really feel that way? Then maybe you're not cut out for your position. Because when I coach people just like you, Laura, you know, you, when you coach people, we care about them, you know, 24-7. We care about the decisions they're making because if no one else will say it, I'll say it clearly. Those decisions clearly impact performance. We all know that, but but somebody's got to say it. Well, you know, you talk um, about expectations, accountability, and consequences, and that just brings up so many questions in, in my mind. You know, expectations. Not only are we letting others know what our expectations of of their performance, but also understanding where our expectations come from. You know, it's one of the free resources I have on, mm-hmm. on the website that people can get to is you talk about goal setting I like to understand where that goal comes from because that sets up your expectations. Sure. And it, it what does. if that goal is not your own goal for you, but you think you have to live that for somebody else and it might not align with truly who you are. And then how are you ever going to achieve your highest level of performance? Well, I think, I think you're right on. I mean, one of the things that's very interesting, you just made a comment that, that you know, I grab a hold of when I talk about this, and that is that all along the line, that, that from the day you were born um, till the day you actually make your really own decisions or even work for yourself, uh, which is a whole different avenue, and that's why there are more and more people who are choosing to work for themselves because then they have to really believe that, okay, it's on their shoulders and they have to set their own personal goals. But let's, let's take a, a, you know, a journey through our lives and understand that from the time we're born, I mean, what's the first thing that we get excited about? We get excited about the first steps you take. I mean, you know, and we all applaud that. I mean, we're all excited about the fact that, okay, you know, Laura, you know, is walking and everybody knows about it in family and we're, we're shouting it and we're calling everybody. And then the first words you, you spoke, think about that. The first time that you spoke, um, everybody was so excited about that. And, again, these are things that we applaud people and we applaud them in this process. So the first time that you went to first grade, they couldn't take enough pictures, people standing with their lunchbox by the tree. I mean, it was all attention-bearing. We, we paid a lot of attention to your performance. But you were, you're right. You were performing up to someone else's expectations. We wanted you to walk. We wanted you to talk. In school, we wanted you to pass. You know, we wanted you to get good grades. It was all measured in a system of where your performance was set out in front of you, and we said these are the things that you have to do to achieve and be called a, a good performer. But what happens when that ceases? What happens when the applause is weaker? What happens when we don't buy in? As you said, we don't buy into the goals of the company. Well, then it really impacts our performance. And then we have to ask ourselves a question. Is that really where we want to be? Because if we're not really to work for the goals that the company set out for us, then we have to take a look at what our world is going to look like. That brings about a lot of anxiety a lot of issues, a lot of people being dissatisfied, and a lot of morale issues in organizations. So one of the things that we try to talk about in performance is everybody sort of being on that same sheet of music in the organization um, and, and communicating what it is we want people to do. I think a lot of people go to work every day, and they don't really know what's expected of them. You know, they just show up, and they're there. And what, what does it take 
to get a great score and an evaluation? Are we talking to our people about that? Are we coaching him to that great score? Um, these are all super questions in business that I, we could spend you know, the rest of the day talking about, but they do have impact. Yeah, and the whole idea of accountability and consequences is so critical, not only in business, but in, in life, understanding that every action has some sort of reaction to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, again, one of the things that we have to really emphasize is that, you know, when the minute we say consequences, somebody thinks somebody's going to get whipped out and people are going to get punished. But the consequences can be both positive and negative. And one of the things that society that And we we're going to have to go into that a little bit more after the, the next commercial break. We'll be right back with okay. Bobby Kicker talking about consequences. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. The last commercial talked about changing latitude and changing attitude, and today we are with Bobby Kipper talking about performance-driven thinking, and really it is all about attitude. Bobby, before the break, we were talking about expectations, accountability, and consequences, and you had said that you know, as soon as somebody hears the word consequences, they immediately think, oh, my God, it's going to be a bad thing. But right. there's there's a lot more to it than just a negative connotation. I, I, I really think it's critical to the whole performance-driven thinking idea that you understand that how you perform determines the outcomes. That, absolutely. I mean, you said earlier before the break that, you know, every decision has um, a, an outcome. And I think that's that's absolutely true in performance. I mean, look at the how does the underdog win if, if this type of thinking it doesn't drive uh, success. I, I, you know, examples are you we can name sport team after sport team after sport team that went into maybe a situation or a game or, or you know some type of event that they really were not supposed to come out dominating the game or the event, but it happened day in and day out in our society, well, how does that happen? It happens because people are mentally focused on their performance, and sometimes people are not. And so, you know, what we have to do is understand that, you know, in, in the game of life, it's the same thing. It's no different. It's just, you know, um, who's keeping score? And, and the issue is is that we have to keep score. Uh, we can't look at a scoreboard every day we get up and say, okay, you know, we won today. We did well today. We have to be able to internalize how we're doing in our performance because, you know, you can't expect, as I tell young people all the time, I speak to a lot of youth groups, and I say to them, you know, what you need to understand is the older you get, the weaker the, the applause. You have to measure your performance by that internal drive. I, I just think that's really critical, as you've mentioned it today, that we have that thermometer in each one of us about where we're at in our personal professional performance. All right, so... You, when we look at things, right, the wins and all of that... I know right. I do this myself. I tend to look at the big wins and sometimes forget the small wins. But oh, yeah. when you're trying to shift your performance, I've always found, and I've really focused on it a lot more since um, your book came out, the whole concept of small wins. I, I love that concept, Laura. You know, I'm a real believer in that. And I think that you, know, um, you can't, I, I remember taking there, it's written in the book, and there's a lot of, um, Examples, but I was called to a college prep school to take over a basketball team, um, you know, and, and the kids were just despondent. And I realized they hadn't won a basketball game in three years. I, I thought, well, I'm either probably not the brightest guy on the block, or you know, I, I love challenges. But 
you know, I was able to talk to those kids and find out where their minds were. I mean, you know, it wasn't the fact that they didn't have ability. They had the ability. You could just see them on the basketball floor and know that they could score, they could do things that they needed to do. But they were they were set in a pattern of defeat. They knew that they were not going to, no matter what they did, they felt like that they would not come out successful. And, you know, at the end of the first practice, you know, I had to tell them, I don't accept that type of thing. That's not where I come from. It's not who I am as a person. And I'm not going to be responsible for a group that really thinks that way. We're going to change the way we think. When we change the way we think, good things will happen. Well, that team ended up to be 9-3 and three that season. They won nine games and lost three the season that we took over. It wasn't because I'm, I'm such a great coach. It's because you had to change the attitude of people to win. They already had what they needed to, to have talent. Well, that's the sign of the best coach. That's the sign of an amazing coach, though, Bobby. You you shifted them. It's all about the small wins. I mean, I told that team, you know, we're not going to maybe win the championship, but we're not going to lose, you know, 14 games this year. Let's celebrate our victories. And every victory that we had, we celebrated. I I stopped by the store and got them, you know, a a thousand, what, what the candy bar is, the grand candy bar would throw it out to him in practice and say, this is because you gave it all you had. Um, and just reward, small wins. And we, we all need small wins in our life. You know, you, you can't, we live in a world of, of, you know, you've heard people from the stage. I mean, you can make a million dollars tomorrow. You know you can't. I mean, unless you just win some big prize or something, or you can you can lose 40 pounds by next week. Really? Well, you, you know, actually, really, let's be honest. Really? It, the only way to do that is probably is you're not living anymore. I mean, we have to really understand you can't lose 40, but maybe you can lose three or four. Well, and sometimes maybe. for me, it's I got through an hour without eating processed sugar. <laughs> and that's well, a small go. win, I mean, that's you know. Small, that's a small win. They add yeah. up. You know, at the end of the day, you're, you're really benefiting your, yourself and your health because of the decisions you're making. So, yes, we do write about small wins in the book. I'm a real, real proponent of let's celebrate, you know, the, the the changes that we're making in a good direction instead of just worrying about the big championship all the time. Championships Sorry. are not one in a day and a week. They're one in a season. And one they're one in the small time. wins. Those are like. Right? They're one in the small wins. The guy that can went from not being able to, say, hit the basket from a three-point line to all of a sudden he he made one, and then he made another one, and he made another one. Or Absolutely. he was able to pass successfully, whereas before that passing game maybe didn't happen. Those are that's what right. lead up to the championships. That, that, that's right. I mean, you know, again, you know, and it's what we expect of people going in. And you can go in and expect, okay, woe is me. The whole world is down. We'll never make it. We'll never, you know, we'll never be successful. And that's the way a lot of people think in this life. And that's why performance-driven thinking, I think, is a great book. That You know, I've just really been delighted to be able to talk about it. And just say, look, you don't have to think like that. You think like that because you're programmed. Let's break that program up and get you on a winning, in, in you know, involved in a winning season in your personal and professional life, not, not on the basketball floor, but we're talking about personal and people here. So, Bobby, how do people connect with you, find out where you're speaking, find out more about this whole performance-driven thinking? I know your book is available wherever books are sold. But right, right. There's the a book lot is more available wherever have. people are sold. And we do uh, a lot of uh, consulting on performance, and we sort of, you know, um, really enjoy um, performance and performance leadership programs. I can be reached at Bobby Kipper, just the name Bobby Kipper at the KipperGroup.com. I have a consulting training group that goes around and, and tries to drive performance in folks. And, um, you know, we also, you can just also, um, we have performance driven thinking.com, and 
There's great uh, we're, resources we're there. working on Performance Driven Academy, uh, which is going to be up and coming very soon. So on performancedriventhinking.com, there's a bunch of different resources that people Absolutely. can access. Uh, the book's there, and there we share some information about the book on performancedriventhinking.com. And if you want to get me personally as a speaker, as a coach, or you know, just want some information, you want to reach out and say, hey, you know, I like the way you think, or I don't like the way you think. I'm okay with that, too. It's just you can reach me at Bobby Kipper at the Kipper Group, K-I-P-P-E-R dot com. I love it. And I, I, everybody, just please go out to performancedriventhinking.com. It's just a wonderful resource with different ways that you can think and change your thinking about performance. And, Bobby, what would be one last thought you wanted to leave my listeners with today? Well, I, I, I want to leave them with the, the thought of hope. Um, there's a lot of people that are down and out on their luck, but sometimes it's not luck that has to happen. Sometimes it's your will to change things. And I just want to give people the idea that, you know, that performance-driven thinking is, is an application of putting the desire of what you want with the absolute will to go after it. We want things in life. Why do we dismiss the fact that we've got to take action to go get it? Stop putting off that education. Stop putting off that, that decision to make your life better. Do it today, and you'll get great results. That's perfect. Thank you so much for joining me, Bobby, and I'm sure we'll have you back on another time as my guest. And I think I'll we're going to be doing— it, Thank you very much for the time. Thanks, and we're going to do some webinars together to further this thinking. Absolutely. All right, everyone. So thank you again for another wonderful show. Next week, at the same time, same channel, we will be talking with um, several other people about the health aspect and caregiving support. As you know, I'm a caregiver for my mom, and what I've realized is I feel very isolated at times, not knowing the right questions to ask or the right resources. So we're going to be providing those resources to you here on the show, and I'll tell you they do apply to every aspect of your life. So catch us next week on It's All About the Questions. Go to itsallaboutthequestions.com and let us know what you think about the show. Remember, the right questions truly can change your life. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 